but I will let you tell which things you want to send people to because I don't know if you even want to send people to do you say it's suffering juke right yeah yeah that's the that's the handle it comes from uh have you ever heard of the band the silver jews no but as an older man who has silverish hair in his beard and just <laughs> found out recently through 23andme that I'm about a quarter Jewish, I definitely am going to start listening to them. <laughs> Karibuni, which is welcome in Swahili. Welcome to the Daddy Unscripted Podcast. My name is Tim Wheaton. Welcome back. I feel like it's been a while, like we are reuniting, me and you, me and all of you. I did a brief little Father's Day episode that kind of apologized and let you guys know what's been going on. I've just been going through uh, being sick way too much this year. It's been really crazy, and yet again, even with knowing that I was going to be recording tonight, somehow my body decided to do it again. And I started getting sick a couple days ago, but I'm not going to let it stop me this time. I am going to absolutely record this episode as planned with Brian Brinkman from the very popular and in my and many people's opinion, very important podcast called beyond the pond brian is one of the people involved in that and that is another not coincidence i wouldn't say coincidentally because i think i would have had him on regardless but beyond the pond is a podcast that is part of the osiris podcast network just like daddy unscripted and with that i give you this osiris Hey, this is Brendan from Umphreys McGee. This podcast is part of the Osiris Podcast family. Osiris is a growing community of music and culture podcasts connecting music fans with conversation, commentary, and of course, lots of music. Osiris works in partnership with Relics Magazine. Osiris. All right, and without any further ado, I know I normally do a pretty large lead-in, but... I'm going to get right to the episode this time with Brian and get right to our conversation. So here is the first half of our conversation, talking more about the daddy side of life and all of that. So here is Brian Brinkman of Beyond the Pond on the Daddy Unscripted podcast. It's a crossover like those cool times that they do that with episodes of like Chicago Fire and Chicago something. I don't know. PD Chicago Water. Is that an, a show? I don't know. But here we go. So I'm here today, finally back uh, behind the microphone and very excited to be here with Brian Brinkman of the Beyond the Pond podcast, part of the Beyond the Pond team. Uh, welcome, Brian. Thanks so much for having me, Tim. This is awesome. Of course. It's been a long... Uh, it's been months of us talking about doing this, and I think we oh we may have started talking about it shortly after the formation of Osiris, yeah? Yeah, I think that um, kind of where a lot of the conversations for all of us to jump onto each other's shows have been, and 
I mean, I, I knew I was super intrigued by what you did and I've listened to a bunch of your episodes and being a dad, it obviously, you know, connected with me in a pretty big level. So I'm, I'm, I'm super excited. So very quickly, I will give a little, my little throwdown to beyond the pond, and then you can kind of give a little bit more information and then we'll go into the dad stuff. But I, you know, I kind of listened to a few music podcasts, not a lot of them when I uh, first got into podcasts. And I think most of the time that I was listening to them, it was either interview or a lot of the true crime or uh, story like This American Life. And, you know, the normal gateway that I think a lot of people like myself went into podcast through and entered into this world of, wow, this isn't just guys in their basements talking about comic books. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't really do a lot of the music stuff. And then I finally started to see that. And then I kind of dove into the Helping Friendly podcast and uh, learned a lot more about RJ and all the stuff that they were doing with that. And when I found Beyond the Pond and Coming from somebody, obviously, I'm a big fish fan and I listen to all kinds of music. People who know my podcast or know about me, they know that I am a ridiculously huge Prince fan. You know, my music taste is all over the place. And so I don't fall into that category, uh, which is not a bad category of people, but I don't have a problem with only listening to fish. But I do find myself going in through phases of you know, focusing on just Fish and Umphreys and some of those other bands for a while. And then I'll go into some of my uh, jazzier and um, soul music and whatnot. And when I first started listening to Beyond the Pond, and I said this in my intro that I, it, I do think of it as an important podcast because it, I think with music for me, and I know for a lot of my listeners and your listeners as well, that music is so important and such a big part of our lives. And I think I actually said something similar to this to you in a tweet recently when you were talking about Umphreys. And I really think that there is something inside our brains for something that really means a lot to us and touches us in that way when you start kind of shooting off this new firework in that darkness of your brain that expands into this music that you haven't heard before or that just totally connects with you, it is such a cool thing. And so from the first episode that I started listening to of Beyond the Pond, and I think I was very nerdly uh, in my tweeting to you guys and thanking you for introducing me to some new bands. Uh, cause I was literally at red lights and I'm not using literally in the way that everybody does. I really was <laughs> at red lights with my phone, opening up the notes app and typing in the names of these bands that you guys were mentioning to make sure that I, when I got to work, I opened them up in my Spotify and started listening to them. So I I love your guys' podcast. I love what you guys do and how you are showing so many of these other bands and the connections that they do have in some ways and sometimes to different fish things. But I just wanted to say that at the get-go in my very sincere um, uh, 
appreciation of what you do. Well, I, I sincerely appreciate that. It means a lot, you know, as you well know, being behind the mic, planning, you know, interviews and planning episodes, it's, um, you know, kind of isolating work. It's, it's like writing in that sense or like kind of any craft. And then you put it out into the world and you don't really know how it's going to be perceived. I mean, for Dave and I, it was this realization. We knew, we both knew we wanted to take this passion that we had for fish and then for music overall and really kind of communicate it and utilize it in a really productive way. And it was this kind of aha moment where we realized, well, you know, when I hear like the Camden chalk dust torture, when I hear the Alpine Valley tweezer from 1998, or, you know, we just released an episode today as we're recording from this 2001 from 1999. We also hear all this other music. And for us, Fish helped to be like a gateway band. And I think for us, you know, when we had this moment of, well, we could turn this into a podcast, you don't know if there's going to be an audience for it. So to hear, to have reception, to have people really care about it, to have people interact with it and learn about new music and find bands that they love and, you know, your compliments like that, that, that means a lot. I appreciate that. Of course. It is cool. And it is kind of weird. Like for me as a podcaster and maybe for you guys as well, I think it is kind of this total bonus. Like it's, it's cool doing this. Uh, I've always said from the get go with my podcast, at least I get a lot out of this with all of the guests that I've spoken with. I've learned something new or been inspired in a different and new way by them. And I've had a good conversation with a dad and I've taken something away from it. And hopefully they're taking a little something away from it. And totally icing on the cake that other people are listening and getting something out of it. And when you hear it back from those people, it's almost astounding because it's not something that you kind of are expecting. It's not like I'm a TV star or something like that, where you're expecting this big audience. So it's kind of fun having that extra part to it. Yeah. I think the interaction is, you know, the engagement that you get with people is, definitely an unexpected bonus and you know i think it's also you know the fish the umphreys the the community that all these bands that we love are a part of is really bred from people's desire to kind of fill those parts of the brain that would be empty without this sort of stuff we need this we Mm -hmm. need it in our soul we need it you know in our hearts and i think one of the things i love about a band like fish is that they have created this like mini universe within the world that we live in. And there's always something to discuss. And there's always something to learn. And there's always some new revelation. And while it may not have a larger implication on what's actually happening out there, it, you know, it creates friendships. It helps to inspire creativity. It helps to inspire um, some greater sense of your place in the world. And, you know, to then share, an idea that you have off of that music with other people and to engage with other people and that it just, it adds that much more to it. I, I think that it's, yeah, I, I, I love it. Yeah. For me, when, when I was much, much younger and got into the Grateful Dead and kind of jumped on the bus when I was uh, just barely 18 years old and it was right after my dad had died and it kind of, it did really fill 
a void because it gave me this community and it didn't mean that these people meant more to me than my family and friends that knew what was going on in my life or whatever, but it was just this community of people that were so, the community was so cool to me. And I feel kind of fortunate that at my age, I've been able to experience both sides of that community where way back then I had to really work to, to seek it out. You know, there was the community at shows that you would see and meet, but other than that, like you had to uh, write letters to people or find them through Dupree's diamond blues magazine or relics magazine or something like that. And, uh, or see somebody that had a bumper sticker and throw a peace sign at them really quick. And then maybe you would end up at the same coffee shop or something. Whereas now, like it's so really cool that you can go on social media and find these people and start these great conversations and, uh, it's just so different, those two universes of communities that are brought together through these common things. And this just happens to be one that is connected to music. So, yeah, I feel like we are all reaping the benefits of that for sure. Totally, totally. Yeah, that was a big part of the appeal for me when I was 16 and discovering fish. And it still is today, <laughs> almost 20 years later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's go back into not really the greatest segue ever, <laughs> but we'll go back in time to before you were 16 and before I was 17, and uh, we'll get into the dad side of your life and everything for the podcast. Totally. So um, like I said, what, whatever that means going back for you, I'll sit around this non-heated campfire and let you tell your story. Cool. Yeah, so I guess my my earliest memories of my dad are um they have to do with music. That's a huge cornerstone of our relationship and of kind of how we've grown up as father and son and now I would say we're probably closer to friends in a lot of ways than, you know, definitely than we were, you know, even 10, 15 years ago, but one of like the richest memories I have in my head of my dad is I can't remember if this is something we did every night. I think in my head, I think that we did, but um, mm -hmm. we, we lived in this house when I was five to seven, I think it was right around the time that my sister was born. And um, we used to eat at this, it was like a dinner table that was like in the corner of a room. And there was like a big bench that came around. And um, I remember we'd like, race through dinner my little brother my dad and i and uh we'd run downstairs and my dad would play beatles records for us all night and like from the earliest age my idea of my dad was this guy who always knew like the best song to play next and could mm. describe music in a way that like i always wanted to hear and always talked about bands and artists and songs in a way like it was almost religious script. Um, and so like that was a huge foundational thing. And that from my dad and I still today is like, that's, that's our, our relationship in, in, in a lot of cases. I mean, it's deepened since then, but um, you know, the, the, the funny thing is he, and we were just talking about this. He was just visiting me this past weekend I actually took him to his very first show at Red Rocks. He was 
he's he's been a, a salesman his whole life. He's worked um, for he's he's worked as as a contractor for for Ace Hardware for True Value, selling small tools, selling farm equipment, going to trade shows, and you know it's always been this uh, way to provide for his family, way to provide put food on the table, way to raise his kids, way to help put his kids through college, way to, you know, take care of his family. But I always have known, and he always has known that his passion's always been within music. And so I think, you know, growing up, that kind of push and pull of this total passion and depth of knowledge and kind of collector's mindset and constant curiosity for something that you know, was never going to make him money, but was always going to feed his soul. And, you know, I think he probably hoped somewhere deep inside of him would affect his kids like it affected him, conflicted with put on a suit, go to work every day, do a job that I think, you know, he would say at times was exciting, but a lot of times was was not what he loved doing at all. And so that kind of conflict back and forth kind of defined our relationship for a long time. As I was a kid, and as I'm sure you know, as a kid, you don't know what your parents are really going through until you become one yourself. Right. So like, yeah, you know, I've had this really interesting moment since I became a parent where I look back on the way I looked at him at various ages as a child. And while I understand, you know, where, moments where I didn't understand him, where I didn't agree with him where our views conflicted it's like it's become much more colored now it's become much more filled like like filled out because i now know what that other side is Mm -hmm. it's crazy isn't that transition so weird that amount of respect that you gain for your parents and for me too it was like the amount of apologies (laughs) i wanted to make you know it's like oh my god for me, especially not having my dad present, a lot of it has been just wondering, like, yeah, right off the bat, too, a lot of it was, I wonder if he, how he would have done this, or how he did this, or if he had to go through this, or what it was like back in the 70s with us kids, because we have so many different devices and everything nowadays for kids, you know, I've heard some very interesting stories about what we used to play with when we were <laughs> little. So, uh, yeah, I won't, I won't get into that in case my mom ends up listening to this episode. But I mean, it's interesting you say that because his father, my grandfather, passed away, had a heart attack and died. I believe he was 41 years old. My dad was 11. Oh, wow. Time. And I'm the oldest in the family. And so mm-hmm. I, I will never forget the months leading up to and then turning 11 years old and the impact that it had on my dad. And Mm -hmm. because I think he went through what you're speaking of where, you know, he had a stepfather, but I think they had a good relationship. Um, But, but I, 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 you know, I think it probably was much different than had it been his father by, by birth. And so I think he spent a lot of our childhood kind of wondering what it would be like to have his dad there for support or what his dad would have been like when he was in high school, you know, cause most of his middle school and high school years were spent either 
his mom was, you know, raising them alone or his mom was married to a man that he was now getting to know. So I think that that was definitely a challenge for him when I was growing up that I certainly didn't, you know, fully understand or give enough credit to at that age, I, I would say. Yeah, I I think that time will definitely come for me when I, if and when, knock on wood, I surpass how old my dad was when he died. And I will definitely think about that too. When my kids are older than I was and it's tough because I I haven't really thought about this part of it, but for me, you know, I was 17 when my dad died. And one of the things that I've always kind of not that I think about this on a daily basis, but it's always been all of the stuff that I missed, even even not the fun, cool stuff, but some of the life lessons that I didn't get, you know, the a little bit more of the how to save money. And this is what you should do when you get a real job. And this is how you gear towards a true career and all of that kind of stuff. And I I will probably really think about those things with my kids. But the tricky thing is, I, it's not like I can say, okay, well, I'm going to make sure I teach my 10 year old about going for a career, you know, I still have to wait, just like he was right. potentially for me to be at the right age for that. So yeah, it's hopefully I make it to that. Like you want to plan ahead and you want to learn from your lessons and endow them to your kids. <laughs> and right. yet, you know, when you were unreceptive and you know that there are times that they're going to be unreceptive, you know? Yeah. Cause I certainly went through that with my dad. I know. I mean, I would say for like the, in the grand scheme of things, like the conflicts that we had together were, uh, we, we were able to work them out and we were able to get mm-hmm. through them without too much, you know, nastiness shared to each other, you know, as, as I mm-hmm. think kind of expected for teenagers and, and whatnot. But, um, I definitely know, I mean, there were, there were times where, um, I mean, growing up, I was very idealistic and I was, uh, I, I took on his his passions. I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, one of my formative moments as a person, I would say overall, not just as an adolescent, was I came home from a sleepover, and he and I we had I'd, I'd listened to Pink Floyd's "Another Brick in the Wall" Part Two for the first time, and I was singing mm-hmm. it at home, and he asked me what I was singing, and you know, I think I was in like I don't know sixth grade at this point, and. You know, so at the time I wasn't, we weren't like best friends, you know, like, like we had been mm-hmm. and I immediately thought I was in trouble and he finally got it out of me and he took me to Best Buy and he bought me Dark Side of the Moon. And he said, if you're going to listen to any Pink Floyd, you have to start with this. And oh had, my gosh. Go to your room, awesome. turn out the lights, turn this on and don't come downstairs until it's over, <laughs> which wow. was, was a life changing moment, you know? And that was for me, like, I, I don't think I appreciate fish without that you know i don't think i appreciate experimental music without that moment i don't think i understand like you know i think that moment like showed me what like a a space and time added to an album led to but Mm -hmm. i also don't think that he realized what you know he was like he he was unscrewing a cap that couldn't be put back on at that point because i then yeah 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 dove into classic rock fandom and record collecting or at least cd collecting at that time 
and wanting to go to every concert and this and that. And that bred in me this misunderstanding of well, what are you doing, you know, in your job? What are you doing, you know, in your in your life? Like, why did you turn away from this passion that you had? And um, you know, what's funny is I'm now working a nine to five job myself. And uh, you know, I, I I now again I understand where he's where he was coming from. Mm-hmm. So when did he start going to concerts and stuff with you? He, well, I will always say the first concert I went to, I, I wasn't, I wasn't at, I was, I was in, I was in utero. Uh, my parents went to see Bruce Springsteen play in 1984 awesome. on the Born in the USA tour. Oh, wow. It was actually the show that they filmed the Dance in <laughs> the so Dark cool. video at. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So, like when I was like six years old, they told me, oh, you were at this show. And I always I always will say that was my first concert. But the first the first like real concert I ever went to, he took me to it was U2 Pop Mart. I was 12, 11 or 12 years old. And um, I mean, it was a life changing moment. Um, I was raised on Bruce Springsteen and U2 and to see the four guys in U2 in the flash on stage coming out of a lemon yeah. UFO. Yeah. I'll tell you, I mean, in hindsight, that's a really weird first concert. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, yes. But I mean, shortly thereafter, so we grew up, I grew up in Chicago and um, I listened to the alternative rock station there a lot, Q101. And um, they would throw a, a festival over Memorial day weekend and then right before Christmas. And this was like the late 90s. So like the Offspring, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Third Eye Blind, Beck, Blink-182. I mean, you name it, like the spectrum of late 90s alternative rock that went from like really good to kind of embarrassingly bad would play at these things. And he took me to them like every time that they came around. And would take all of our friends to them. And I always thought it was like the coolest thing. Cause he enjoyed it as well. And he got a kick out of it. And he, you know, would always comment that it was less destructive than when he was watching people throw firecrackers during Led Zeppelin in 1973 or 1974. But, uh, that was like when we started going to concerts regularly and we've continued ever since then. That's cool. So now you have, is your dad local to you now or I know you recently moved and you don't need to give me your address <laughs> um but is your dad close to you or is he back out where you were before uh he and my mom are in Chicago they've been there for 40 years now I mean my mom oh, wow. was born and raised in the west suburbs in Glen Ellen um my dad was he was born in Tennessee, uh, but shortly thereafter, I believe he moved to Michigan. Then I know he spent a good amount of his childhood in Dearborn, Michigan, and then moved to Barrington, Illinois. I think when he was in elementary school, so Northwest suburbs. And they've been they've both been there ever since. I mean, my dad went to college um, at Utah State, uh, so he had uh, four four and a half years out west. He originally was going to school for forestry. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, so they live there. I've I left Chicago when I was 
18 to go to college in Montana and have tried unsuccessfully to move back to Chicago three separate occasions. And I've just really given up now that it's <laughs> just not in the cards. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that city. I love everything about it. But yeah, we just moved from Maryland where we were living for a couple of years to Denver back in March of this year. So we're still kind of getting used to and adjusted life out here. Um, it's it's a really quick, convenient trip for them, so it's nice. He can he can get out here in you know under two hours and be at our house quickly to to hang out, and and that's a that's a huge added bonus. Mm-hmm. And you you mentioned your sister. Are, are there more siblings in your family, or is it just the two of you? Uh, it's uh, three of us. So um, I'm the oldest, and then my brother is 18 months younger than me and then our sister is six years younger than i am okay you have about the same gap between uh you and my brother who is 18 about 18 months exactly older than me it's an interesting gap you like you're basically twins but you're not totally (laughs) totally is it really is that way and how is that relationship with you and your brothers to this day? I mean, did you guys have that kind of 20 relationship as kids where you love and hate each other? And as kids, we had a love and hate relationship where we, I think loved, I think out of necessity. And I, my, my brother and I are incredibly different in some of the best ways possible, but also very challenging ways. Um, I think we we both hung out. We hung out all the time as a kid. I think I slightly resented it because I wanted my own space, and I was like, you know, who's this guy that's always you know and always mm-hmm. next to me? And it only increased because my brother got my dad's jeans and is like six five two fifty, and I got my mom's jeans and I'm five nine and have a really hard time cracking 175. <laughs> um, he's all, he's, he was always very athletic and I loved sports and mm-hmm. couldn't play them. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the sibling like competition as, as like kids, like led us to battle a lot, but we battled always together. I think that like looking back on it, my brother's like always there by my side as a kid. Um, as we grew up, we definitely went through like, probably like a eight to 10 year period where I don't think we really understood each other or were really like willing to mm-hmm. like try to understand each other. I think from both sides and it led to a lot mm-hmm. of animosity and um, we've gotten past a lot of that. I think um, he was actually out here visiting me about two weeks ago and it was the most, it was most I've ever enjoyed in my, in like memory being with him. Um, I, I think we just have figured out a way to understand each other and to communicate to each other and understand each other's needs and understand where each other needs space, but also like each other's sense of humor and what the other person's looking for. I mean, he's, he picked up from my dad as well, a devotion towards music. And I think that that <laughs> my brother and I went to college actually in this, at, at the university of Montana, which um, was another source of kind of animosity from my end. I was like, what, why are you here now? 
Um, <laughs> Why did you yeah, follow yeah, like, me? I, I literally went across the country. Um, but now, you know, I look back in hindsight and it's one of my favorite things about us. It's something we share that, mm-hmm. but he and I used to drive from Chicago to Missoula and we would do it in one shot and it was 24 hours on the nose. And um, wow. we had to write up like a checklist that we kept in between the driver and passenger seat that would check off who played an album last because if one of us awesome. got a hold of the iPod <laughs> and we just wouldn't let the other person have it. So we had to like create basically like rules mm-hmm. for us to be fair to each other so that one person could play something, one person could play the other thing. And the funny thing is like now I'll recommend an album to him and it's one of his favorite albums and mm-hmm. vice versa. You know, like now we, if you look at our top tens at the end of every year, they're like littered with each other's music. We, we definitely took the long route, um, but are in a much better place. Now. Yeah. So when, when you guys were growing up all under the same roof and we'll stick with that music theme, I mean, were, were you kind of, kind of both going in that same direction and did you have the same tastes or were you guys in, in different places and doing that as well, like through the college years? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, for a long time we we were like pretty much the exact same about music i mean we were raised like i said earlier i mean you two and bruce springsteen are like saints in our house Mm -hmm. and um that i mean we saw every concert that i saw with my dad he was there with us the break happened initially when i actually got into fish i got in or no sorry it happened when i got into it, it was like in three stages. I got into the Smashing Pumpkins mm. and he thought they were the weirdest band. Ever. <laughs> um, and I, I, I think he's come to appreciate them. I don't think he ever went through a phase like I did. But um, after that, I got into the Dave Matthews band and he made fun of me. <laughs> relentlessly. Relentlessly for that. <laughs> and then he got into the Dave Matthews band. And then I got into Fish. And he made fun of me relentlessly for that. And then he got into fish. Uh, and so we've always like been like, and I think it's probably just an age thing, you know, like I've been like one slight step in front of him, but yeah, like as kids, I think we all, we, we just loved the music that my dad played in the house and we both listened to the same radio station. And so we, we both, you know, would share a lot of the same CDs and, I mean, getting CDs in our stocking was like a theme every Christmas throughout childhood. Mm-hmm. That was like the biggest thing that we looked forward to. That's so cool. So your dad, how, how much older is your dad than you? Um, he is just, he's 29 years older than I am. Okay. I had to do the math. Yeah, oh, that's a great father-son age gap. Well, and it's really strange because depending on the time of the year he's 30 years older than i am and i'm i was 30 when wally was born so there's oh. like this perfect breakdown of whatever i'm going through just from a simple age standpoint with a kid is exactly what he was going through mm-hmm. that's very um, cool inception yeah 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 it really is <laughs> i love it I mean, it is like that's the secondary layer that 
you know, how we were talking earlier about thinking about what our dads went through and everything. I don't do it as much about my kids, but I do think about that every once in a while of, you know, I don't say it right out to them as a uh, curse or a threat either of you're going to be going through this one day and you're going to realize that you wish you had done what I said or whatever. But, you know, you do have those thoughts of like, God, my son is hopefully going to have a family of his own one day. And how different is this going to be for him and how different it is for me already, however many years later after my parents went through it. And I mean, if there is still a planet at that point, <laughs> then it will be <laughs> what they're doing with it. Right. Right. I, I mean, I think about that cause you know, and I've talked a lot here about like formative moments of my childhood and formative periods, but I, there's also, and I think you probably can share this as well. There's, a lot of kind of insignificant things that you care a lot about as a kid Mm -hmm. that if you'd only listened to your parents at that age, you'd have the perspective that you could have like better been prepared for what was coming in the future. But then again, that's not realistic. You know, that's not growth. Right. But you know, it's, it's, it's funny because in terms of like the inception, my, my dad and I literally went through the exact same thing before our first child was born. So my dad went away on a business trip three weeks before my due date. And my mom mm. told him not to. She said, it's just too close. I don't think you need, you should. And he was like, I just, I have to, I'm going to be so busy once son's born. And he went to St. Louis for this business trip. And my mom went into labor and my dad had to race through the night to get back home to be there for her. And for me, I, I had a flight voucher in 2015 that I used and I did get wife approval on this one. So this, <laughs> that's the one, that, <laughs> but, um, I, I decided it was four weeks before my son's due date. I decided to book a flight to Chicago as kind of a send off like a post-marriage, pre-child bachelor party type of thing. And I got in touch with all of my close friends and they were all going to be in Chicago. And I was going to stay with my brother and I was going to spend a couple nights with my parents. And my brother and one of my best friends on the planet had set up like a food tour for me and we were going to go see music and we were going to go to a bunch of breweries. It was going to be perfect. And the night I was set to leave, or the day I was set to leave, there was this massive storm that came through Washington, D.C. And um, I kept checking my flight. It was still on time. It was still on time. My wife took me to the airport. I go and I get on the plane and we sit on the runway for like two hours because we're, we're suddenly delayed because of the storm. And I turned my phone off and um, we take off and we fly to Chicago and we land in Chicago and the I turn my phone on and I've got like, you know, a thousand text messages and it's my mom, my, my wife, my dad, all like repeatedly. And in reading them, uh, I realized my wife's water is broken. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) And 
I get out the plane. I'm, I call her, and you know, she's like, "We're gonna, we're gonna have a baby." And I was like, "I, I got to get back home." And she was like, "Don't worry, you know, you've been in the air for two hours. I, you don't think I figured this out with your parents? We got you a flight. You're going to be home at like six a.m. tomorrow." And um, my dad picks me up from the airport, and I get in the car, and like, we just immediately like hug and start crying, and you know, because we both know exactly like holy crap you're going through the exact same thing and i go home and we sit down and have like i think they had like gotten pizza that night or something and he opens up uh, a bottle of whiskey and we just start like having drinks and telling stories and i don't think i slept at all that night and just went right back got on the plane went back home and started caring for susie and um my son waited it out. <laughs> he wasn't born for like another 20 hours or so. So I was totally fine on that. But like that shared experience has like always kind of been this, this like moment that we've had together that um, I I just love. I love that. That's like the way that we both welcomed our first children into the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> the, the world of those parallels for you is obviously pretty deep. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, like you, you just can't, you can't plan that, <laughs> you know, like it oh. just, it just is like meant to be. Yeah. And if, if you ever cop to the, the idea that you may have planned that, Brian, I don't think your wife would really appreciate that. I don't think she would. <laughs> I don't think I had that much because well, that was the thing. So, so the storm didn't just impact me being delayed. It, the, the barometric pressure in Maryland dropped so rapidly that the hospital that we gave birth to our son at was over capacity. Oh my gosh. Women on the labor and delivery floor. So many women went into labor. Um, yeah, it was, it was, wow, that is random. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Are you the only one with, with, uh, grandchildren for your parents or? I am. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And is your dad just over the moon and, I'm I'm sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. He's like the he's the ideal grandfather. Yeah, he's, like he's young enough still in both like spirit and in age, and he's in really great health that he can fully embrace it and do a ton with it. And you know, he and my mom, after you know raising three kids and not doing a ton for themselves for a number of years. And I think, you know, work and stress and life and long marriage, you know, added to a ton of stress for them. They're now like really enjoying just being the two of them, but they're also really enjoying having the ability to come and kind of relive what it was like being young parents with our son. You know, Mm -hmm. my wife and I just went on a work trip like a month and a half ago or so for three days. And my parents came out and watched our son and they loved it. And this past weekend when my dad was out with us, my wife and I got hit with some just ridiculous food poisoning, Um, like just awful. And I don't know what I would have done without my dad there. Mm -hmm. He took Wally hiking and he, you know, put him down for a nap and got his food ready and was there with him whenever he was, you know, just like going crazy. Like yeah. he, he, he's just perfect for it. And he, he loves it. It's, it's his, I think it's his favorite thing in the world right now. That's awesome. 
that's yeah. that's uh something that i'm i don't know i i may have started too late we'll see how it goes i definitely will not have it at the young age if it does happen for me i would love to see my kids have kids but i for me my my dad and mom were 40 and a little bit over 40 when they had me and so my grandparents were they were all dead by the time i was 10 yeah i think um we lost my uh my mother-in-law my wife's mother uh, just over a year ago and Mm -hmm. she was always she visited she was there when wally was born um and then she was there a ton over the next year just with you know a lot of stuff going on at home and she was a huge presence in his life um my dad's his dad obviously you know he passed away when before way before i was born but i never met him his his stepfather was a really brilliant mathematician who served in the military and was just very very by the book very like hard-nosed guy who developed alzheimer's when i was really young Mm. I never really knew who he was. And mm-hmm. I don't think I ever really got that like good picture of him. But my dad's mom, I think as well, like my dad picks up from who she is. I mean, she is still, she's the most inspirational person I've ever met in my entire life. Oh, really? Um, yeah. She's just like full of life and full of energy and full of uh, advice and wonder for the world. I mean, she lost her, sense of taste like five years ago and she still cooks better than pretty much anyone I've ever met. That's Um, awesome. (laughs) Like she's got one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard. She's, Mm. she's traveled a ton. She's well read. She was born in the late twenties. I mean, the child of the depression and she, Mm -hmm. so I think, I think he picks up on, you know, what she gave to him and her spirit, her energy. And also, you know, kind of knows like to your point, there's like a sense of duty that, mm-hmm. you know, if not me, you know, who, who's, who's going to be, who's, who's going to do this. This is who I am. So I, I ought to you know, give everything I have, especially right now, you know, when, when I'm in the formative years with my grandson. Right. And for her too, like, you know, the fact that she lost her husband at a much younger age and sure she remarried but yeah you know that obviously or i shouldn't say obviously because i am being very presumptuous with that but most likely creates that different level of tie and responsibility that she felt not only to your dad but but on down the line and i think that that's probably a very clear and real thing that your family should be, I mean, even from what you've spoken to me about, should be able to see almost as clear as day of this connection that all of you kind of have, even in those really cool parallels that you have with your dad, mm-hmm. um, that have made this really strong line between all of you that is really, really cool to hear about and to think about how that is like this almost almost like that firm foundation that 
isn't necessarily seen below a house and all this other stuff is going on above ground that you guys have in your various lives. But that foundation that is going from three generations that I'm hearing about and potentially even further back than that is really, really cool. Yeah. She like a quick symbolic story that I think will kind of tie all this together with regards to her and, and I know this isn't grandma unscripted, so that's okay. Well, I'll, I'll make <laughs> that next. In. Um, so my, my dad's brother passed away like four years ago. He, he, he had a heart attack and um, mm. heart disease, you know, unfortunately runs in the family and um, he was a victim of it at 59. And um, he was everything like I've said about my dad from a passion standpoint, my dad looked to his brother, my uncle, be like uh, up to about everything because my uncle did live it in all the positives and all the negatives. He was a, a craftsman and he was a musician and he kind of lived month to month, but did really well for himself in the last, you know, 20 years of his life. He became very successful as a, as a craftsman um, where he lived. But when he passed away, the entire family was like, well, we have to throw a party. Like that's what he would want. We, you know, mm-hmm. so we they had the funeral, and then we planned six months later this outdoor music festival uh, near their house, and we had like, you know, all of it, it, all of his friends play, and it all capped off with all of his nephews playing a set of music with my dad singing. But halfway through the day, this like perfect mid September day where everybody was celebrating the life of one of all of our heroes it started to rain and it started to thunder and lightning and this like storm that had not been on the radar at all just like came through. And so we all huddled under this um, like gazebo. There were like 150 of us, something like that all huddled together and waiting out the storm. And at one point my grandmother grabbed the microphone and started singing. um, I think it's called blue skies shining on me. Mm, Yeah. Blue skies. And um, she sang like three verses of it and there wasn't a dry eye in the house. And within like three minutes, the clouds parted and this like amazing late fall afternoon came back to close out the party. And like that, like to me, like that, that is her, like whatever, however long she lives, however long I live, you know, like that memory of her, like I'll always preserve. And like that to me is, passed down through my dad and you know my hope is it's passed down to me and passed down to my son that that sort of just energy well and i'm i am i almost want this to be a movie this is like the first <laughs> conversation that i've had like this where i kind of wish this was a movie because i i am very interested in how this all is going to play out this is I'm like genuinely kind of emotional about this right now um, because it, it it does have that kind of movie-esque feel of this incredibly strong family bond and that, like I was saying, has this multi-generational aspect to it. And I want to know like how this all plays out with, with you and your son and any future kids that you have and potentially with your brother. So 
you're gonna i'm going to send a movie team out (laughs) (laughs) but 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 really like it is so cool because you guys have this thing going on that is just that thing in quotes is is your lives is what you guys are all just doing naturally i mean not even talking about work and play and whatever but the family connection that you all have and wanting to see how that all plays out between your relationship with your son and how how it's different from you know not saying that it needs to or should completely mirror the one with you and your dad or your brother and your dad but seeing what I think that that's kind of the cool thing too about all of these different generations is seeing somebody's different twist on parenting based on what they experienced with their dad and in their own life away from their dad as an individual and as you go into adulthood and then playing that all out you know as well as pulling in everything from your wife as well and i i think i think you're going to be okay brian i hope so <laughs> i hope so i think everything's going to be good with you guys and with wally we're in a really good place right now i think um the move out here was necessary on a lot of levels and um you know our hope was from a health standpoint i mean that was a huge consideration with all this but you know in terms of raising him out in a place that we my wife and i met in montana met out west you know to to have a place where where he grows up kind of experiencing this world that we discovered when we were young adults for him to discover throughout his entire life i don't know is uh i'm excited to see how how it turns out for him mm-hmm. I can definitely see that, you know, I've been where I've been basically my entire life for the most part, aside from travels and whatnot. But I, if I was to have that opportunity, which I probably will never get, but doing something like that, enabling these different experiences and having these different influences on your kid's life than you had growing up where you grew up is, is kind of an interesting little twist into all of that. You know, I think that it's, it's much more common for somebody to stay where they are, especially for people in the Midwest. I think that that's extremely common. Yes. And so coming out to Colorado and doing all of that there is, is definitely going to, throw an extra little twist of lemon in your drink. Yeah, I think um yeah, like growing up, I know I mean I grew up in the suburbs and I didn't really feel like I was like Chicago was like the city was my home until much later. You know, there was always this sense that nothing ever happens where you grow up. You know, the suburbs are just like this wasteland of sameness. Which is funny now my wife and I joke around about this all the time every house that we would not have wanted to move into when we were 22 or 23 is now like a dream home. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, this idea that, you know, what was normal to me as a kid, 
I I hope and you know you it's it's a challenge like you know you you throw these influences at your kids because you think that they're going to be these like net positives for them that might be the thing that they end up resenting <laughs> you know you never you never right. know what you're doing so you know my hope is that he just you know hikes with us and camps with us and is outdoors with us uh from the time that we're that he's really little and then that just becomes what he does and um that that has some you know larger spiritual and health-based impact on him that you know benefits him long term and but that's yeah that's the funny part you you don't know you have no idea and i I think you know my dad and i hanging out this past weekend you know and and i think i said it earlier i mean hanging out in a way that i thought we were more friends than he was my dad but at the same Mm -hmm. time the fact that he is my dad only enriches the experience because Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who, you know, don't get to have that experience um, with their dad. And I know a lot of people whose dads wouldn't necessarily want to do that with them. Mm -hmm. The fact that I get to do one of my favorite things in the world with my dad, um, you know, see live music and talk about music and throw on a record with him at, you know, one o'clock in the morning when we both should be asleep, but you know, we just have to listen to this record again and we have to talk about every song, you know, that yeah. sort of stuff. Like, you know, there's like a part of me that hopes that that's me and my son. Right. But like, there's a lot that you have to go through to get to that. And there's no certainty that that's where you get to. And, you know, who's to say that that's the goal? You know what I mean? Totally. Like, totally. There could be a totally different thing that my son and I are, into the, I just don't even know, or, you know, there's maybe a totally different relationship that we have or impact that I have on him. I mean, I know, and I'm sure you know this from being a dad, like there are things that he's taught me that I never would have asked anyone to teach me <laughs> because mm-hmm. they were just going to be way too hard to to go through. And I'm thankful for him more than anything, you know, yeah. just in two years. Yeah. And I'm sure your dad, again, to be very assuming, but I have to assume that he potentially, I could use the word frequently has to think about how awesome all of that is for him as well. Thinking about the jump and the continuity in time spent, like all those years that he did spend with you and your family uh, involving music and that that is still a strong commonality is, I mean, that would probably bring me to my knees many times as a grown older father, just thinking like how, how far ahead of the game and what, what you guys have in a relationship that so many people do not have is just, ridiculous is very very cool and awesome are not big enough words for that it is that's that's life right there like what more can you want you're getting the field of dreams ending in real time right right. you know what i mean right right no i totally get that (laughs) like to really drive it home like you are getting to have a catch with him all the time that's what more does any dad want you know no, so i totally get it i know i totally um it's 
and like I said earlier, you know, with my wife's mom passing, it's put me in a position also of being like, I can't take this for granted. I have to really mm-hmm. embrace this. And, you know, I mean, and, I, and I, I think he sees it that way too now. And, you know, if there's anything that we share beyond everything that I've said, it's, you know, we both wear our heart, hearts on our sleeve. And mm-hmm. I know we said to each other at least 18 different times, this is awesome. You know, it's like the great, this is such mm-hmm. a great, you know, what a cool thing that we're doing this together. And so, yeah, so I mean, I definitely, you know, that response, you, you have to, especially at, you know, as I grow up and as, as he gets older, you know, you have to know these are like fleeting moments in the grand. Yeah. Game. And you have to, I think if I've learned anything, you know, over the last like two years of my life where I've seen, you know, my wife battle really intense illness and her mom pass away from really intense illness is, you know, and then also, you know, within that, you know, having a child and raising a child, you know, starting to raise a child and just seeing like the miracle of life and seeing how, you know, bleeding life can be puts you in a position of really respecting what you have when you have it. Yeah. It creates all those quotable quotes and all those things that uh, a lot of times feel so cliche and so, but it's so real. And I think there is something to a lot of us getting that, that life is short and that it is fleeting and that we are taking in these moments and realizing them as they are happening that just like you said this is awesome (laughs) so i think that's a fantastic note to end on for the dad section of this conversation how all of that is going for you guys i i will tell you like since i don't get to watch the movie um i would like you to tell your dad fantastic things from me like (laughs) That he did a great job, that he's doing a great job, that I can tell that he is a great man from what you have said. And yeah, that's I'm I'm very I'm very happy for you that all of this is going and has gone this way. It's I I can tell from my little bit of interaction with you that it is very well deserved and I'm stoked that all of that is going so at least that part of your life and everything is going the way it is for you guys. Oh, I appreciate that a lot. That means a lot. Thank you. Yeah, of course. All right. So um, we'll go into another section, cool. but to wrap up this first episode, do you want to tell people all the different places yeah. that they can find you and uh, see the other aspects of, of Brian's life? Yeah. Not the life of Brian. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> good, good job. Twisting. <laughs> Yeah, um, I am not on Facebook, so don't try to friend me. I'm on Twitter in two places, at Suffering Juke, Suffering Juke, J-U-K-E. And then um, as we talked about at the top of the show, I co-host the Beyond the Pond podcast with uh, David Goldstein, podcast by fish fans, for fish fans who are looking for uh, music to get into through the music of fish that is not jam band related, not really fish related, kind of jump beyond the pond of fish, if you will. Uh, you can find us. We have a medium page. It's just medium.com beyond backslash beyond the pond. 
on Twitter. We're at underscore beyond the pond. We post uh, every other Tuesday. Okay. Thanks again for being on, Brian. I really have enjoyed this conversation. And uh, I hope some of your people who have come and listened to this have enjoyed it as well. I'm I'm sure as a fan of the pod, I I know I would I did get a lot out of this conversation. So I'm sure they would as well. And again, stay tuned for the next half where uh, we give out. Oh, I've already done that joke. But so what? We give out winning lottery numbers. Okay, so come back for the second half for those. (laughs) All right, and that is the end of my conversation with Brian Brinkman. I hope you guys all enjoyed that as much as I did. And it's been a long time coming for he and I to have that conversation. And it really was... I'm not just saying this and I'm not just saying this in hopes that Brian's listening to it. It really was a very fulfilling, fantastic conversation for me. I I can't say it enough. I really do get a personal benefit out of these conversations as well. I'm making some new relationships and friendships with these people. And I hope that you are getting some of those connections as well, as well as being inspired by some of the stories that we are hearing and some of these life's journeys and the hurdles that people are going through like Brian has and his family and his wife. And I don't, I don't know, I, I was really excited about these episodes and this conversation with Brian. So I hope that they hit you that way as well. So make sure that you look up Beyond the Pond podcast as well as you can find Brian as Suffering Juke on Twitter. Make sure that you check him out, and you can root for his Cubs, or you can root for my Red Sox. I mean, no pressure, no pressure. But if you are on Twitter, look up Brian at Suffering Juke. Check out Beyond the Pond podcast. And then if you are looking for Daddy Unscripted, Daddy Unscripted is on Twitter, is on Instagram, is on Facebook, all as Daddy Unscripted. You can send me an email on your thoughts of this conversation or other guests that you would like me to talk to or even any kind of constructive criticism or anything you have for me. Daddyunscripted at gmail.com is where you want to get hold of me or you can contact me through Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. I will say again, as I always do, a huge thanks and what up to Umphreys McGee for having their music on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoy hearing their music on this. You should find them on Umphreys.com or find them on all of the social media because they are brilliant, fantastic, amazing, and super friendly guys. And they're just, you know... They are just destroying it right now. They are not killing it. They are not just melting faces. They are destroying it. So check them out. And make sure that you check out some of these other podcasts, not just Beyond the Pond, but some of the other podcasts that are part of the Osiris Podcast Network. You can go to osirispod.com to see the full list. But I really have enjoyed, I sent this to the group, Uh, in a conversation to um, the other podcasts involved just today saying how cool it is 
that I'm able to go through my podcast app, be done with a podcast and scroll through all of these cool podcasts that are a part of the Osiris Network and decide what I want to listen to next. And they are so different. I'm not just looking at a bunch of music podcasts. I'm not just looking at a bunch of true crime podcasts or whatever. The variance is so vast in the network. There's so many great ones and so many great hosts and content and guests. So make sure you check that out. Find some of that out for yourself at OsirisPod.com. Nakutakia Sikun Gemma, which is have a nice day in Swahili. So have a great day, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and keep your eyes out for the second half with Brian, which should be out in a week or two weeks without fail. So keep an eye out for that on my social media. Thanks.